Welcome to Overheard at Chica's Cafe, and I am Chica, Sonia Iris Lozada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Overheard at Chica's Cafe, and I have my longtime friend, Uli Bella from Ozomotli with us. How are you, Uli? What's up, Sonia? Everything is good. Everything is, uh, it's not chilling because it is hot out here in LA right now, but you know, we're all just uh, dealing with the weather, you know, but it's, 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 uh, besides that, everything is pretty mellow all around. <laughs> yeah. I want to know because, you know, I've known you and I know you guys and your band and I absolutely love the band. And I've mentioned to some people that are totally not in the music industry. Have you heard a whole Ozo Motley? And they go, no, I'm like, they're so popular. How could you not know them? You know? <laughs> so for those people, can you give us a little brief journey of how Ozo Motley started and your original name and everything? Okay. So Ozo Motley started, uh, 95, 96. Um, it started out of a labor dispute. A lot of different musicians, like some of these guys in the band I've known since junior high, I've known them since high school or after high school playing in different like jams or stuff like that. But what set it off was our our bass player, Will Dog, and our original drummer, Anton Morales, worked for this organization called the L.A. Conservation Corps. Now, the L.A. Conservation Corps post-Riots L.A. was kind of like one of those organizations to give in inner city youth jobs, like painting over graffiti, planting trees, you name it. But this particular group of, of kids, their whole thing was like doing these plays at schools to help earthquake preparedness, you know? So it was all going well, but I think what happened was the catalyst, the spark that kind of caused, you know, this whole turn of events to happen was these group of workers tried to unionize, you know, in the LA Conservation Corps. Conservation Corps did not dig that at all. So it fired all this, all the, all the people. So as a form of protest, the, this group of youths took over the building that they worked in and basically occupied it and renamed it the Peace and Justice Center. It was off of 4th and Bixel in downtown LA. And, you know, obviously this was a huge, you know, kind of deal because it made the Conservation Corps look bad. Through a mediation process, what ended up happening is, is that all the kids lost their jobs, but they ended up with the rights and the lease to this building for the rest of the time that they were going to be there. So they could do whatever they want with this building almost, you know? So they ended up turning it into kind of like this community center for inner city youth where there was breakdancing, there was poetry readings, there was a cafe in there. There was a skateboard stuff. There was a, a bunch of bands that were rehearsing there. You know, a lot of bands came out of this like scene. And every weekend they would do these uh, like parties and fundraisers to help with the funds and keep with the maintenance of this building. I remember between all these musicians, people calling each other and being like hey you want to come and jam to help the peace and justice center out okay sure so all these guys that ended up showing up the first time were essentially the foundation the the, the seeds of what ozo motley became and at the time we, we used to call ourselves todos somos marcos because that was a kind of like a, a a nod to the 
mid 90s Zapatista movement in Mexico. Yes. So um, after I don't know how many gigs, our drummer was like, hey, man, because, you know, Todos Somos Marcos was very kind of like you had to be in the know what we were even talking about. Our drummer was like, hey, why don't we call ourselves Ozo Motley? And we're like, what's that? You know, and he's like, it's the Aztec God of Dance and of the New Harvest. And and he's a little monkey and he's really mischievous. So we all thought it was pretty cool. So then we ended up calling ourselves Ozo Motley. That is so cool. Now, what calendar? Is that in the Aztec astrology? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. I got your new album. And oh, awesome. I have a lot of favorites in there because, you know, I, I think you guys are amazing. How long did it take you to do that album? Because, I mean, you know, we, the pandemic was there and you got all these other people. The crazy, the crazy part was is that we were actually in the middle of recording in El Paso at this, at this really cool spot called Sonic Ranch Studio, which is outside of El Paso. And the, the, the trippy thing about this studio is that it's in the middle of this pecan farm, right next to the border. You end up staying there. You, you're basically kind of like, I mean, yeah, you can leave and go into town or go wherever you want if you have a car. The whole idea is that you, you have a room there and you're basically on the compound and you're constantly recording. Or like if inspiration hits you at two in the morning, you can go record if you want to. So we were there right at the beginning of the pandemic and you know for most of us when we were hearing about it you know it was like oh this is just going to be like another SARS part two another like swine flu maybe it'll be like a month and it'll be like whatever is after that and so we just kept working and when we got home the album wasn't quite finished yet so that's when the shit started really hitting the fan and what we ended up doing is just like recording in different people's houses different people's home studios to try to finish it. But with this idea of like, well, what's going to happen? Because we were all kind of, I mean, I think most musicians and artists were kind of in a panic of what the hell is going to happen for the future. We debated amongst ourselves about what to do. And what we ended up realizing is that we had to like hold off on releasing the record that way to probably, because if we released, you know, there were artists who did release albums during the quarantine time and during the lockdown. But we felt like our bread and butter is touring. Our bread and butter is playing live. So if we can't tour a record and if we can't properly promote a record, it's just kind of hard. You know, it's like, what are we going to be doing? So we ended up actually holding back. And then at a certain point, since we already had a completed record, we kind of did it the opposite. We actually shopped for a label after the fact, after the record had already been done. So we had this already finished product and we just went up to labels. It's like, hey, who's interested in wanting to work with this? Mm -hmm. We ended up finding this really cool label called Blue Alarm, who was really excited about working with us. And we ended up uh, signing with them. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, because if anybody hasn't seen Oza Motley in person, you have to go see your shows. You guys are really entertaining and so talented, especially when you go start playing sax. Then you pick up the clarinet, then you go to the piano, then you go to the guitar. I'm like, oh, my God, what else does he know how to what else do you know how to play besides <laughs> for? It took you how long to record this album then? Mm, I'd say close to. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because we were there in that that spot. I would say maybe culminative, like maybe three to five months all in all, like between yeah. all the things and dramas that we were kind of going through, you know. <laughs> Yeah, because you got, I looked at a Destino 
And I looked at the the writers of it and you have uh, Gabby Moreno. Mm-hmm. She wrote on it. How did you guys collaborate? Was that like on, you know, streaming media, Zoom or whatever? How did you guys write? No, actually with that, with Gabby, we had worked with Gabby previously on the record before this called Nonstop, mm-hmm. where we did a bunch of Mexican songs with a Jamaican tinge, mm-hmm. a Jamaican influence on it. And she did uh, Solamente Una Vez um, with us. So we already had some experience with working with Gabby. And so with that particular track, um, what's interesting with that track is that we have B-Real from Cypress Hill on that track. And that story was interesting because ever since Ozo Motley started, people have always been like, well, why don't you ever do something with Cypress Hill? It's like, of course we'll do, we'd love to do something with Cypress Hill. We We had played shows with Cypress Hill. We had played their festival before but we never actually collaborated on any music before. So years go by of this constant, like you should, you should, you should, you should. And then when this track was coming up, um, uh, people started trying to throw names of collaborators on it. And I was just like, you know what? Let me just cold message this guy on Instagram and just see if he reacts. You know, because usually when people Instagram you, uh, messages, DM you, messages, you're kind of like, who is this clown? Like, who is yeah. this person? But interestingly enough, he he responded and all the, you know, all the all the gears started working, all the cogs and gears started moving. And he ended up being on the track, which was amazing. With Gabby, it was just kind of one of those things where we just called her and we're just like, hey, would you like to do this, be a part of this song? And she was just down for it. We already had a history with her, you know? Right. I like that song a lot. And and like always, you know, using the Spanish music with the hip hop and all of that is just mm-hmm. so cool. I had a friend of mine I'm at a hotel in Ventura today and she said, but she's a theater person, so she doesn't know a lot of uh, bands. And I had I think I got a fan out of it because she just loved the music and it was the first time she's heard. Mm. It. Now, oh, that's you- cool. That's cool. I mean. That's the thing with this new music. I'm really happy that people are kind of like, because, you know, when you release something new, you're not sure if people are going to dig it or not, or if people are going to be like, oh, this shit sucks. I like the new old stuff or, oh, I like the new direction or whatever. So for the most part, it's been pretty overwhelmingly positive with the new music. So we're kind of happy about that. Yeah, I love I love the blend of different styles, you know, and then the thing is, you guys do it well. Because there's no, I've, I've heard people mm. try to blend styles and they do not do them well. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like they got one style down real well and then the other one is like, eh. But uh, that's mm-hmm. one of my, Marching On is a really good song. Mm, mm, mm. And it's a departure because it's Justin singing on it. Yeah, I it's really good. And it's got that soulful, kind of happy mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. And Justin's the lead on this one. Okay, that's that's good to know. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find the lyrics because I know you guys have always started out, like you said in the beginning of the interview, more like an activist type of a group. And I love the fact that you're socially conscious, but you can also divert and do more pop music as well. I mean, it's pop music mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a social socially conscious feel to it. And which is the first release that you did on the album? What was your first single? I want to say, let me see, what was the first single? Because that's what we did. You know, we had all these songs on 
And then we started doing uh, singles. I want to say either fellas or Mi Destino was the first singles. And then after that, we did Sacude. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I believe it's Una Mas is the last single. So we released, we've been releasing singles off the album, kind of like what, you know, people do nowadays, you know, just kind of let it build up. Yeah, because fellas, I saw Lisa, Lisa was on it. Mm -hmm. How did you get yep. her on it? I mean, is she someone you have a history with or is this something? You're no, actually, well, the only history is that I've, I've, I've always dug her like as an artist, you know, and uh, grew up listening to her music. And that's another interesting story, because in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of the lockdown, you know, everybody was scrambling to figure out things to do online. So one of the things I did one weekend was I DJed online for, uh, you know, for a live stream and I DJed that particular music though, from the eighties, that freestyle Latin stuff, like, you know, and I found this picture of Stevie B, Lisa, Lisa, and I don't know who else old picture, you know, when they're, you know, they're all decked out in those clothes. And I put it up as kind of like this, like picture of like, yo, I'm DJing and this and this and that. And then someone tagged lisa lisa on it and she reacted and then i dm'd her and i was just basically like i'm a huge fan and you're like one of the the best artists of that whole scene and genre to me you know which she is because if you go to a freestyle show if you go to one of those shows you know usually the singers have only one or two songs and they're usually singing to backing tracks but lisa lisa can really sing she has dancers, she has a hell of a band, and she has a huge repertoire. So it's like, she's just, you know, top shelf to me. So from that conversation of me just kind of like being like, you're amazing and this and this and that, somehow we found out that one of the promoters that we dealt with has worked with her quite a bit through the, you know, through the years. And we ended up getting her and JJ Fad on this track called Fellows. Yeah, it's a very danceable song. And mm -hmm. so, okay, I love the cover of the album. Mm. Who did it? Because you see all this indigenous artwork in there. And who did the album cover? Um, oh, let me get his name. I'm going to, because I'm, I'm like spacing on his name right now. Hold on a second. Yeah, I was going to buy the vinyl, but I, you know, I, I ended up getting the MP3. Yeah, because the album art is amazing. And we went through different artists at first to try to figure out what we we're going to do, you know. And yeah, and I like it in particular because it's kind of a throwback to these Miles Davis records that I used to listen to as a kid, you know. It has this kind of like of uh, that era, late 60s or all the way up to mid 70s artwork that it just has this vibe to it you know yeah he did a killer job on it he really did peter max was very popular at that time but he had more yes, like peter max yeah yeah was really popular mm -hmm. that has more of an ethnic vibe to it but i like it because there's mm -hmm. so it's like there's so many symbols within it the mother earth symbol no yeah yeah, yeah you're totally right yeah so what did you when you guys hired him what what did you tell him we want what kind of feel um, we just kind of let him go with it. We were like, well, what do you feel like with this? This is kind of like, you know, cause we went through a, a couple other artists 
that, you know, we threw out Marching On because we had already decided that was going to be the name of the record. With all that, he took all these influences and made his thing. And we just kind of really dug the direction that he went in, you know, and we just like, okay, this is cool. Whereas with the other artists, you know, it would be one of those things where it's like some of us liked it, some of us didn't like it. Some of, you know, when things like that happened, it usually doesn't roll. You know, it's like everybody kind of has to be on board and be like, hey, we like this, you know? Now, there are six original members of Ozumatle. Um, it's me, Azru, Justin, Will Dog, Jiro, and Raul. And we're all original members. Obviously, the band was way bigger when we first started. It could have been from 10 to 12 people. But through the years, you know, um, you know, things happen and whatever. But this core six have been the same now for over like five, six years now. Mm-hmm. Probably even more now. But yeah, it's been the same six core members now for, for a really long time. Yeah, because when I first saw you guys, you had a full on horn sec- section, like three mm-hmm. people. Yeah, we had a big... Yep. Yeah. Big porn section. We had a DJ. We had rappers. Um, yeah. We've gone through a lot of in- incarnations. Yeah. It seems like you just streamlined it, you know? So mm-hmm. it makes it yeah. Easier. In some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In yeah. some ways we did kind of streamline it. We cut the fat a little bit. I mean, sometimes it's nice to have a big porn section for sure. I miss it. You know, mm-hmm. as far as traveling and overhead and you know flight you know tickets for flights and stuff like that it's it's way easier you you got six people and that's it now i wanted Mm -hmm. to see if you wanted to discuss something that i thought of because i feel that as artists people don't realize our home life and it's like oh well they're on tour and they're famous or they're working on something and I know that you take care of your family, your parents, and I try to do the same with mine because they're still around. How does that, because I know you love your parents and you're totally there for them. I don't even know how you do it because you do so much. How does that work around with the music and the Mm. creative part of it? Well, the good thing is that I'm lucky because I live next door to them. I can go back and forth. Like right after this interview, I'm going to go wake up my mom and feed her breakfast, make sure she's doing well. Things like that. It's easier that I'm next door and I stayed in my neighborhood, you know, and because if I would have been living even across town, it would have been a nightmare, you know, to like come back and forth. In that sense, it's been really easy. And the other thing is, is that being that, especially during the pandemic and everything, there wasn't that many gigs going on. So I could devote that time and just be like, okay, I got to do this. You know, I got to really, cause you know, we're from a culture that it's not about like putting your parents in a home or anything like that at this point. I mean, sure. If things got really, really, you know, where we, we, it was out of our hands, maybe we might consider it. But at this point, it's like, we're, we're that type of family that, you know, it's all hands on deck and everybody's going to have to put in to help, you know? The good thing is that, like, I'm here, my wife's here, my dad's here, and, you know, we take care of my mom. And I also have a wonderful caregiver that helps me. And then um, I've had my brother come from Mexico whenever I need a little extra help or anything like that. Like, you know, at the end of September, I'm going to be on the road for like at least, I want to say like a week or two. And so that's the time where I'm going to hit up my brother and be like, hey, can you come through, be that extra person in the mix? 
that way, you know, everything is covered and, and we, you know, we can help each other. So it's, it is draining and it can be very emotional sometimes, especially when you see the decline of your parents and you're like, oh my God, you know, like it's gone from this to this or whatever, or, or this happened or whatever, I have to worry about this. But at the same time, I'm really blessed to have them still around, you know, and I'm still I'm really happy to, you know, um, to just be able to, to serve them and, and be around them, you know. And then usually I have to just kind of go through this realization that it's just that time for me. It's like most of us, we all have to go through this and how we deal with it is depending on the individuals, obviously, but we all have to go through this. And right now it's my turn to go through this of having to deal with aging parents, making sure they're comfortable, you know, and their, their, their quality of life is still good enough, you know? I totally am there with you because my mom is, unfortunately, we couldn't take care of her. Mm -hmm. It was a scope of this dementia. We don't know how to work with dementia. We, my sister was going to take her and we were all supporting whatever you, but it became too much, you know? Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was really sad. My dad is totally healthy and wonderful. And actually I'm leaving to Chicago on Wednesday. So I'm mm. um, going to go see him and my mom, you know, it's, they are elderly, you know, I know that when I go to Chicago, it's to help them. It's not about me. And that's a, when your parents get elderly, you can't make it about you. You know, they were there when no, you were a no. child and took care of you mm-hmm. to or ignore them. And yeah, it's, but you're right. We come from a culture. You just don't do that. Unfortunately, you know, we were, it was out of our scope of taking care of her. It could get to that point where it just, it's just too much to take care of them or it's just medically you need that other thing. So, I mean, it's understandable if, and when that happens, but right now where we're at, thankfully my mom is stable enough where we can handle everything she needs, feeding her, getting her up, giving her her medicine, cleaning her, doing this, doing that. That's still in the realm of, of what we can do and are willing to do. So we're lucky enough to do that, you know? And yeah. not for, and, and you know, if not, not as they say, not for nothing, ever since we've been taking care of her uh, post-surgery and all these other things, everything has been very stable in her, her blood sugar, her blood pressure, her oxygen levels, everything has been really, really stable. So it's, it's, it's crazy to see how the body, even at such an advanced age, still wants to repair itself still wants to like give itself a chance you know so exactly um, we've been lucky enough you know i mean sure dementia like my mom has it too it's not going to get any better but at least we can you know at least put it to a certain level and hopefully it stays there you know yeah because you know that's what and, and people think and for listeners out there just age is not a disease so just because someone gets old, like my mom and, and, you know, I was, we were really annoyed with the medical staff at the hospital. She fell and had a brain bleed. And in that mm. brain bleed, they kind of said, well, she's 90 something years old. You know, you might as well just say goodbye. And we're like, like nothing. I mean, well, how are you dismissive of my mother like that? And mm-hmm. we go, nope, she's, and she came through. Mm-hmm. Or she mm-hmm. fell two more times. And so but she still comes through. She took, she had strokes. So she still tries to sing, but she can't really, but it's so sweet because she mm. still loves music and she still loves to sing. 
Well, let me tell you, that's one of the biggest things you can do to help with, even with, like I do that with my mom, with her dementia. I put on music that she grew up listening to and yes. have her sing along to it. So yeah. it's, it's very beneficial for the brain to do that. You know, it, yeah. it, it creates, it creates those connections again. You know, it brings them back to a, like a certain spot in their brain, you know? Yeah. My sister took, and I'm taking my tablet with me and she took it and she has all these YouTube salsa, you know, legends on mm -hmm. there. And so she plays that for her. And I sing, so I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to sing with her in Mi Viejo San Juan because I know that she would still remember those lyrics. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, That's really beneficial, really beneficial. Yeah, it, it's amazing how you still see them in there, you know. It's not mm -hmm. the end. It's the lack of our understanding, I think, that mm -hmm. makes people freak out. And people make it about themselves. Oh, I can't see this, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. You know, it's not about you. It's like your parents took care of mm -hmm. you. And that was hard for them too. I mean, especially our parents who are mm -hmm. immigrants. Well, we're Puerto Rican, mm -hmm. we're still citizens, but we were you know, treated as like we didn't belong to this country. So for them mm -hmm. to go through all of that hell and, and raise us and raise us well, it's, that's a, a huge feat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So is there anything that you would like to tell the audience or? Well, you, you could definitely check out Ozomali on all social media, Facebook, Ozomali.com, Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on TikTok, all that stuff. Also, we just released, like you said, like the new album, Marching On, is out now. So if people want to go check it out. We'd love you to go check it out. <laughs> and besides that, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we got some gigs coming up in September. We have this Latin Legends cruise that we're going to be doing with War, with Tower of Power and Los Lobos in September. And when is that? I'm interested in that in September. Yeah. Those cruises, they sell out fast. They usually sell out months in advance, which is cool for us, you know, because. Very good. It, it's a mellow cruise because it's just from here to like, to like Ensenada and back, you know? So it's like only a three day thing, you know? And uh, you leave, I believe Friday and then you come back Monday. So, you know, you're just kind of, That's yeah, perfect. you play like, usually you play about three times for the whole week weekend or two or three times for the whole weekend. Kind of just stuck on the boat with a bunch of fans, you know, which is cool. Some people don't like it, but I like it. I like, I like mingling and talking to people and, chopping it up and seeing how people react to the music or, re or, or fans of the bands or whatever. People want to see Ozomali, definitely look it up. You know, we're constantly booking new shows, especially now that things are starting to clear up a little bit. We were just in Colorado a couple weekends ago, did a run of Colorado. We'll be back in Colorado, actually. But we have a, you know, if you go online, you can check out all our up and coming dates. Yeah. And what is the name of the cruise thing? Just in case people. Uh... Uh, Latin Legends. I believe it's like Latin Legends tour. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, uh, if you go on there now, I believe there's a waiting list to people, maybe because sometimes people cancel. So there'll be a waiting list for people to get on there if they want to if they want to check the show out. But most of the time, I want to say that show's already sold out. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate this. And You've always been an incredible friend. I know. It's crazy. When we were talking about how long we've known each other, we we're like, dang, we've known each other forever. Thank you for your patience, too, because uh, I don't know the, the listeners and, and people out there might not know, but 
but I messed up and, and I had to deal with some shit with my dad and I flaked out on the original time. So thank you for your patience for accommodating and letting me do it today, you know? Yeah, because I'm I you you are very welcome, and I really wanted you on yeah. the show. And I'm like I'm not I'm not one of those people that know like oh I've known you for X amount of years, and you were this old when we first met. I'm always just like I've known Sonia forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and because we got along from the very get go so well, you know. And you were one of my first bands I uh, interviewed for an interview. Mm-hmm that I had called Cielo mm-hmm. Visions. And that's when internet stuff was so expensive to do. Mm-hmm. But you guys were gracious enough and you and I remained friends. And I want to thank you for being on the show and for sharing and being intimate about your career and your family life and many blessings. Thank you, Sonia. And safe travels to Chicago. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to Overheard at Chica's Cafe. You can find us on Spotify and other podcast platforms. Visit us at overheardatchicascafe.com and on our Facebook page at Overheard Chica. This is where all friends meet. <laughs>